0: Clayman Media.
1: You're listening to the We Bear Witness Podcast, where we discuss theological truths and cultural influences. You can follow us on Spotify or wherever podcasts are streaming.
0: Thank you for listening, and go to the show. Hey everybody, welcome to the We Bear Witness Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I'm here with Cody Page, pastor of Gray Gables Baptist Church in Callahan, Florida. He just happens to be my little brother uh, he once said that I am everything he wants to be in this life, and I take that incredibly seriously. Um, so with that introduction behind us, I just want to invite Cody uh, onto the show and thank him so much for being a part of something that he has watched uh, religiously. He does not, He has been known to say during Christmas time and holidays that he has not missed a single episode of Weber Witness. So he's a part of our Weber Witness family as well as our Amelia Baptist Church family and everybody outside listening. Uh, but we are so grateful uh, that you guys are still listening and still uh, sharing the podcast, and we really appreciate it. So with that said, we have a pretty interesting topic today uh, that has struck uh, a nerve within, I think, the cultural zeitgeist of evangelical churches when it comes to a heavy concentration on getting people in the door in terms of evangelism and evangelical life and how uh, what a wonderful thing it is for new life and for baptism and new life in Christ, and we spend a lot of time there rejoicing. And then at the end of someone's life, when the race is finished, I feel like we honor those things that we love and miss about that person, and we find our rest and our hope that they are with Christ through their profession of faith and through the fruit that we've seen in their life as a living tree connected to the vine, and we're grateful for all of that. But I find some hypocrisy in a few things that we'll kind of go over in our conversation today, on the church not highlighting discipleship within the church and how that affects the charge to the church to finish well, and I ha- think that there is hypocrisy in this from everything from making our church seem younger to find more appeal. So, of course, some certain pragmatic standards, pastors not being uh, as focused on the the good about a multi generational church, um, for instance, sort of splitting up the churches uh, within services based on preference which would immediately isolate, then isolate the church body from each other generationally. And so we usually aim this at not seeing the importance of having your kids with you at all times, and, and that is a huge need through family-equipping ministry. But today we're looking at the elderly, we're looking at our older folks, and we're looking at their lack or their heavy influence in the life of young believers. And so we were talk, as, to, as we talk about finishing well, my brother has had some experience in this area. Cody, how long have you been um, over at your church? Seven years in July. So seven years in July, and how, at the beginning of your time at Gray Gables, what does the demographic look like now compared to what it was in seven years? Cody, this was a church that we've been a part of when we, since we were young kids. It's on the west side of Nassau County here in Northeast Florida. I'm on the east side of Nassau County, Northeast Florida. You you were, what, 28 when you started full-time senior pastoring at that church or something like that? And uh, it was a majority older church elderly congregation at that time wasn't it
1: yeah we had a we had majority I would say majority probably um uh certainly lacked the influence of young couples and I, I don't think that was I think what was interesting coming in was the amount of our older people who kind of saw around not only just mm-hmm. the difficult times of the church had been through but just some of the reputation of the church uh and recognize listen if, if we don't if we don't start um sectioning ourselves off um or stop sectioning ourselves off and really include a multi-generational church then we're we're gonna we're gonna die off and then there's gonna be yeah no gray gables left and so they were actually um very encouraged at the amount of young families that came in and yet you know we we didn't do anything particularly to to specifically attract young families coming in you know it wasn't like a our goal was to get younger in any way shape or form we just kind of you know did the normative things that we do, and and I think just by having a young couple as um, a lead pastor and pastor's wife, it just kind of flocked that way. But yeah,
0: how did the uh, elderly in the congregation react to their senior full time pastor being uh, 28 years old? Well, I'm
1: mean, in a usual circumstance because we, you know, I was raised in that church, and so I think one of the re- most remarkable things for me was I'll never forget this moment: a sitting in a, a room with um, our four Sunday school teachers at the time, which were. Brother Johnny Hallman, uh, Bob Burgess, Miss Phyllis Holmes, and then Brother Charlie Holmes, who's got to be with the Lord. Um, and I was sitting there kind of implementing our uh, what, what I believe to be a biblical philosophy of small group mentality, Sunday school, making a big church small, investing in people, um, having opportunities to answer questions, right? And not being just a sermon before the sermon, but just uh, nice. really allowing opportunity for growth as people dig into the word together. Um, and so I'm sitting here talking about this and I just, there was a little bit of an intimidation factor because all four of these people had such an incredible impact in my life and raising me to know Christ and, uh, taking interest in me and loving me well and loving my family well. And I remember very, very much so thinking, well, they're going to walk away with this be like, yeah, sure, buddy. Um, you know, good, good, good try. You're doing great. Uh, but, but we know what we're doing. We've been here forever and and really was quite the opposite. They were just. Incredibly humble and receptive to what they saw, uh, I think, be a biblical ecclesiology and responded with that and said, we're going to put this in the practice. And so I think that that was just a grace. Like there wasn't anything I did. It was just people who loved Jesus and I think were, were humble at the idea of wanting to grow in this area. Um, and so I'll never forget that. Uh, and that kind of emulated the way the rest of them... Um, responded to our family was you know what this is this is our guy like we we helped with him um, brought him up we were part of a multi-generational church with him and now we get to follow that uh, and and as long as i one of the things that's the best thing about my church is they really don't care what my mentality or philosophy is they just
0: care what the word says if the word says and it, it's biblical then they want to do it See, you and I are in somewhat similar situations with that. Uh, as I was a younger guy when I came on, not as senior pastor, but Pastor Neil Helton has been there for almost 35 years. And so. But there was a church that was very eager to have young families back in the fold again. And there were some there. Right. Uh, the church wasn't void of young families. The church was healthy. Uh, the church had established elders. The church had established a family-equipping ministry philosophy. They'd adapted from Timothy Paul Jones's uh, family ministry field guide. And you incorporate families inside the church services you have several specific occasions where you bring people in and there's not necessarily a children's church i mean you, you've adapted somewhat i would say you're probably uh, somewhat abnormal from the big baptist mentality or programmatic nature not to slam right. them, not everyone to each their own but we have a little the, different in terms of wanting the generations present is what i yeah, mean yeah
1: we have a family sunday once a month where everybody who is four and older are part of the service and then um every week it's uh, our children's ministry is capped off
0: at second grade. So if you're third grade and older, you're yeah. in the service, but you do have Wednesday nights and all this weird sort of stuff. Yeah, And we've had to move to two worship services rather than one. So our first worship service has the option of Sunday school for all ages. And our second worship service, you have childcare up to five years old and everybody else is in service. So our second worship service uh, simply has a lot of five and ups mm-hmm. uh, inside the, the the church worship service. And that's something that just kind of fits that model. But that's the philosophy of ministry. What we're speaking to is the importance of a multi-generational church and whether or not the culture is getting away from that, pretty much leaving them alone, not remembering their influence while they're here, but celebrating them mightily during the uh, the funeral. And and we're gonna we're gonna move into a little bit of maybe some some darker stuff in the sense that you have had you've had your I don't know how long it was, but there was a year where it felt like every time I talked to you. Um, you were doing funerals. This is one of the dangers of, not the dangers, but one of the apprehensions from from young pastors or, or pastors who want to be a part of a new, thriving church plant with their twenty five year olds and under, with their babies looking like J Crew models, and you know, no, there's no sense or hint of death. It's just life, and I'm like, there's so much life to looking at death, so much that we need to take value of. But but tell us about that. How how did that how did that benefit yet? Rock your church. Yeah. So we had
1: uh 2021, I did twenty funerals in two thousand twenty one. Um and so you did twenty funerals in two thousand twenty one. Yeah, yeah, more than one a month. Um and so uh but actually my Genius. first my so my first day uh officially as a senior pastor at Greg Gables um I went on a hospital visit after church with uh, Miss Mary Beth Smith and brother Frank Smith um uh, to visit Great uh people. to visit Pat Patrick and he he passed away two days later and so the um the I have a funeral my first week and I think uh I, I just I don't know what it is I don't know if that's my calling you know I laugh at you all the time because you you're the one that gets like every d now it seems like you do and you preach um and I in that season it wasn't even just church members that I was getting funerals it was just these people I've never like, met
0: before. Well, just, I like that. I like that because you're the youth. Yeah, you're the former youth right. pastor
1: of this huge right. church. And I feel like like I, I can't even preach to students anymore um, because all I do is preach funerals um, at the student camps that I go to. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but, uh, no, uh, but uh, there was a there was a season. I, I think it's just look there, to me. There's no greater opportunity for the gospel. I mean, you you yeah. work. I, I say this at every funeral, and sometimes it gets laughs, and some people are just don't know what to do with it. Um, but I love it because it's true. You know, I, I tell them at funerals, look, the statistics are out. One out of every one person dies, right? Like this yeah. this is reality for you. And part of the reason we don't really like funerals is because we have to brace that reality that this is apart from crisis at the end of man uh, right here. We'll all face it. Uh, and so for me, it's an opportunity for the gospel. But, but speaking to you, like, the, I think more than anything, when we deal with this thing that we're, I think that we're talking about and correct me if I'm wrong. Um with wanting to um to include our older uh, brothers and sisters in Christ with our kind of newer philosophies of ministry and not just champion them uh, at their their death, is I think part of us right. uh, part of us are scared, particularly as younger pastors coming in, that they won't buy in. Um and so we kind of we kind of mm-hmm. sinfully, I think, write them off as people yeah. who are not going to adjust as opposed to even giving them the opportunity. And also, I think simultaneously, understanding with grace that change is hard, particularly for somebody uh, who is elderly, who are going through changes every, who, who have experienced greater change than people like you and I ever will. These are people who used to work with their hands, and then sometimes they can no longer do so, right? They're, they're experiencing change at a rapid rate, and the the, the change is really... Eh bringing with it a declination of of their life at that at level so like right. understanding that these small uh, in your mind these small changes can be really huge for somebody who's thinking yeah. five ten years ago i used to be able to climb the stairs without getting out of breath and now i'm struggling or particularly yeah. in our blue collar society i see this all the time uh, there are older men who just go through a season of depression when they cannot work with their hands anymore um, yeah. when, when working in the yard or even mowing the yard just wears them out um, they, they kind of lost it and we we don't have any we're all we're thinking of is is how do we build the church right How do we how do we bring more people in as opposed to allowing yeah. an opportunity for ministry to 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 show grace to them and
0: compassion to them and then bring them in with us and explain to them why we want to do the things that we're doing. Yeah, that's it that's exactly right. A, a heavy focus on bringing people in which there should be but also not forgetting, the seasoned saints who have been called to disciple those young brothers, right. those young fathers, those young husbands. And here's here's a perfect example of what I mean, and then I'll move into a little bit about my experience in the past year, which is what's led to this topic. But I, I remember a young couple who was sort of the non-denominational, big church plant, big worship band, you know, for, just for the preferences. That, that was their worship experience, was kind of like a Hillsong Church kind of mentality. And they had started to befriend a lot of people at Amelia Baptist Church. And for those who are just listening or just tuning in, uh, we we run anywhere for that two to 400 marker. Both Cody and I's churches are kind of around the same body of believer size. And uh, you're right at that marker, I think. I'll uh, throw you in there. Let's throw you. No, you're not. Don't be, be one no, of those whatever.
1: guys. that's like, well, this is what we're running. Oh, uh, and who cares?
0: I, I didn't say, I didn't say this you is what we're running. big time
1: me and I don't appreciate it. All right.
0: See, I was getting into a very serious Sorry, story. You've interrupted. You it. had to third numbers no, out there. So eight numbers. So we're running. We're running about three twenty-six. Yeah, those are my favorites. The guys you <laughs> know by <about> the point <laughs> point seven. Um, uh, yeah, twenty-six point five. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so we can't let that run. We'll we'll be in trouble. But the whole the whole point is, uh, we're in that size where people still know each other. I guess people still rem- heard of each other. Didn't just come in. They're not wallpaper right, right. yet. And so all that to say, um we we had them come in. They were starting to be involved. We have bulletins printed. we are we, part of that kind of generation gap. like we don't have the QR codes on the back of the seats yet. Nothing wrong with them. I love that idea. I think I think you got to kind of get there for everybody. There's no problem in doing both is what our motto right. is at ABC. so we we don't have that yet. We have bulletins. It has the words in it, but there's it's heavier, you know, and I could I could sit here and make fun of the church I love so much and just have a good time even with them who are very open and honest with the young families coming in. Uh, but there's a multi-generational environment in our church. There's a genuine respect. There's a care that's been cultivated by what we believe to be the Holy Spirit, not just a philosophy of ministry. And on the bulletin, it said uh, "It said, uh, uh, flowers dedicated in lieu of so-and-so's 50th wedding anniversary, right? Or 50th anniversary. And I remember that was one of the things on this list of like three or four things where this couple who I love... Uh, we're just like, this is just not our, that, it was one of those things they were evaluating whether or not they'd feel at home here. Or this is the kind of church you are looking for. And there was just kind of like, I don't know. This is just kind of a, it's kind of one of those churches that's kind of feels like an old school, traditional kind of something we left. Like we were at part of big Baptist church jacks and that was just not, we, we don't want that. That's not what we're looking for. So I just said, you know, Holy Spirit gives and takes away, you know, happy hunting, go for it. Uh, that's about as much as I give it. You know, I pray for you. We're here if you want to talk more, great. But before I left that conversation, I said, I just got to say something. I said, I, I used to not feel this way, but I do now. If, if I'm moving and I'm somewhere and I'm not an, in ministry, if I'm not part of the clergy and I'm just looking for a church for my family, give me the churches that are, that are filled to the brim with 30, 40, 50, 60-year wedding anniversaries that may not have all of these other marks and boxes checked that make for an enjoyable hour. Uh, And and what I mean by that is there's so much value to those relationships that I feel like we are avoiding because we get caught in our circles, we get caught in our cliques. And then when these saints die, I'm up front, you're up front, we're front row for these eulogies and for these words of remembrance and for these um, obits and how we're hearing about these people who I feel that the young generation really missed out if they didn't get to know this person who held... The faith, faithfully and loyally, through the Holy Spirit, of course, but live their life and finish their race. And the Bible pointing at that more than it even does, kind of your your present. Like you are supposed to live in light of an eternal perspective. You are supposed to live in light of finishing the race well. Paul points to it. Peter points to it. Luke points to it. I mean, through through the recollection of of Jesus. And so, the whole concept is: Are we are we missing those opportunities as young generations and young families, and as they're. Sort of been a resurgence of multi generational worship. I would argue that there has been and for good reason.
1: Yeah. And I would say, like, I've, I, I, I a brother, a dear brother tell me that we are more, uh, we're not as traditional as we might think we are, but I, I feel like we're very traditional as a, a church in a lot of aspects. And what
0: do you mean by that? I just like, mean like st- with style, traditional style, means style of songs and
1: liturgy sure. and, you know, um, you know, the, Kind of the time that this church starts our starts at 10 fifteen. Um that's what time our service starts. We start at 10 right. And so you know that but that's another thing that culturally a lot of people are starting later because people want to sleep in. but I, I, I do think that that lends itself to everything you just talked about lends itself to to self. like it is right. it is it is kind of a selfish mentality. And I think part of the reason these people probably have been married for fifty to sixty years because they've been practicing selflessness. And I think when you want a multi-generational church, you have to, you have to endure and and walk through selflessness. That means that means you shouldn't be looking primarily for what I have in common with with some of these people who may be of a different generation. Why? Because that's not the testimony that Christ binds us together with. Our, the most important yeah. thing we have in common is Christ. That's what the most beautiful thing about the gospel is, is finding people in your life that you have. Nothing in common with besides Jesus and those relationships being family relationships, right? And mm-hmm. I think what we, if we don't want to practice that at the outset, if we're just lo- right. then, then really what we're looking for is an, is a social club and not a church, right? We are supposed to be mm-hmm. approaching the throne of grace and uh, being united by Christ together um, with humility towards one another. And so I, I also think though it's interesting to see the value that's being placed in some of these kind of older habits that the younger generations pick up. we've got people in our church that are embroidering and knitting and you know and i think part of that is a healthy multi-generational culture where they see that they're able to mature and see the peace and unity in some of those simple things and and, and the joy in that and that comes from uh, i think god allowing us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are more seasoned just what it means to be uh in christ
0: yeah, and I think we started this in the right way where the goal is you got to have an, a church where the older generation wants the younger generation to be a part right. of it. And I think we've been blessed with that. And I, I think there's a lot of brothers out there that are listening, brother pastors, who are like, man, I wish I had that. I wish I wouldn't have to go up there and passive-aggressively convince during these congregational meetings that change is good because it's not doctrinal change. It's, it can be good change. that just helps the flow. It helps the contemporaneous feel of who's coming in and, and maybe make, make these younger families a bit more comfortable. It's not my way or the highway or only the tithers get to decide. Yeah. I, I think we've been blessed with those. I mean, our churches are not perfect, but I think that that we've been blessed with people who were excited to see growth and knew that growth was going to come in the form of young families and older families. We, we constantly have older generations join because of where we are. We're in Amelia Island. Right. So we, we, it's not just, hey, new families are the only ones looking around and everybody else is where they have been for 30 years. there There is movement. There is growth of all generations. And so that's been valuable. But I think if we're not careful, we are only going to invest or celebrate into these relationships when it's too late instead of taking from these people what God has brought them through. Why are we not, as young generations, taking from people what God has brought them through so that we too can go through it? Like the man you said whose hands no longer work outside. Right a beautiful picture of the gospel is someone not blood related to him out there doing that work with him as he instructs. That's true. That's how you get to right. discipleship. It doesn't start with a six point book you picked up at Lifeway. It, it starts with this mentality that relationships is what leads to discipleship, that there's an organic yeah. nature to this inside the church. I would say, I would
1: say two things. I'd say one, first to that pastor that's struggling with people who are changing. I think Uh, particularly older people who are are afraid to embrace the change
0: don't want change i I think the
1: doctrine of sanctification is very important there is is what sanctification is is you being made more into the image of christ and you are changing you are being transformed
0: this might affect your preferences so so that's the point
1: is and guess when you stop being transformed when you die you're dead And, and i but i do think there's a mentality that both we can have towards the, the elderly the elderly can have towards us, or what are we calling them, seasoned saints, um, uh, whatever the nicest way to put that. Uh, oh, yeah. It's like they're not funerals
0: anymore. They're a celebration right. of life. Um, but but, we, but, uh, but I like I like that term. Yeah. I just think that there's season, something to be known saints, for death. All right, but, you know yeah. how I am with the tact. Yeah. Not good. Seasoned season saints. Seasoned
1: saints. Um, I, I think that we can have uh, both, both and. That we can almost think that they've already arrived and finished the race, when they, they haven't gone on the glory yet and they can have the mentality that I'm done changing, being transformed. Um, I've, I've done yeah. my part. And part of that comes from, part of that, I think comes from them feeling like they really have nothing left to, to give to the church. Um, and so it's kind of like a, you know, it's, it's fighting against itself. It's like digging a hole and putting in another. Um, but I think the doctor of sanctification for them to understand, listen, change, change is biblical. You should be changing until you die constantly and i think that's the posture that you need to have uh particularly uh, towards that change what was the other thing you said because i had another point but i forgot you were you were talking about something and then i
0: oh the discipleship between the older generations and the younger generations like that happens through organic relationships right where the guy's out in the field and he has yes uh he has a guy coming to
1: me Keep talking about. Well, don't that worry. Nonsense. I mean,
0: it's a it's a podcast, so they they're happy just to hear us think about what we're going to say. I warned you. Uh, it's too big deal. Um Hold on. <laughs> well, wh- while you're thinking about that, Philippians one six has being confident of this that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Let's say, for instance, we'll speak to this a little later. I, you know, I get to baptize my daughter in a couple weeks, and I'm very excited about that. And that is the beginning of her walk. Right. Uh, The Lord's made a work in her, and then it's her outward profession of an inward change. What can we do to encourage our congregation to not only look to these seasoned saints about what finishing well is, not as perfect people, but as experienced people who should take their call to discipleship seriously, that they're not retired. They may be retired from their job, but they're not retired from their call. And what do we say to a younger generation uh, to say, okay, now you are, this is not just a brand new thing. It's not just an excitement thing, but you are to look ahead and finish well. How would you encourage them to go about developing those relationships with seasoned saints?
1: Um, I would say step out of your comfort zone. First, just just make movements toward people that are not like you. I think that is, we still have a meet and greet time in our service for this reason is because we we want to encourage people, make a move towards other people who are not like you. And you would be surprised the amount of people who, because they forget someone's name after the first time just, just put that person in a box and say, well, I'm never going to speak to them again because I don't remember their name. And I'm so ashamed of that, that I feel like I, and I'm, I'm just thinking, you know, look, you have to be able to, to show humility, right. To say, listen, yeah. I'm so sorry. I forgot your name. Remind me again. Um, take small movements towards people, uh, and develop those relationships. I think one of the, one of the great things about some of our more seasoned saints is, um, if, if they're retired, they, they have more availability and time that's the other thing i found it i think yes okay so um can we edit this it's like back watching in? someone
0: no it's all in we're we're it's just like watching someone buffer in real life I got it It's playing now
1: um i think that's the first is making move towards people and i do think i do think that part of that cultural um part of the lack of that kind of relationship being built is there There are some of us who are in this generation who who look looked up to those people all of our lives, and we've seen their work ethic. And so we try and fill our fill our time with doing all these things for our family, for our hobbies, yeah. or what have you, working with our hands, building our our kind of um, future, working hard and doing that. and then then I think the older generation gets discouraged when we're not really available to to spend time with them because we're in a way really trying to emulate what that. they've done for years. And so I think it's that's yeah. part of that broken system where we have to we have to understand um that that part of part of building these relationships is going to be dying to self and understanding that. You know what this I may feel like I need to know how to do this thing but just in case I want I want to do the work of being ministered to by this person so they might help me. And I'm not going to be af- afraid or ashamed if they suggest a way that's different than mine. I'm instead going to look at this as an opportunity for us to build unity and community together. Uh, and I can encourage this person while also doing some of those things. Does
0: that make any sense? It does. And what a great way to encourage both both generations. Like, I mean, you have multiple generations in your church. But this is not just encouragement to young generations to say, hey, you need to reach out. It's older generation. Your job's not done. Right. And what I love is when, when some some people's kids move away and it's just them and they feel like empty nesters. We have a saying in our church, to, there is no such thing as an empty nester if you're a part of Amelia Baptist mm. Church. Like your, your nest should be filled. Right. Uh, if it's not filled with your blood relatives until Christmas or Thanksgiving or July 4th, then throughout the year uh, we, we get to watch and see. Uh, men who don't have their grandkids next to them help a 10-year-old from another family who they've bonded with build a chicken coop or right. a birdhouse or a race car. Like Those things get to happen in a church that's, I think, intentional about this multigenerational connection and not just celebrating someone's life after it's been lived, but before uh, they've left this earth, Remind, seeking them for those kind of reminders about the importance of of perseverance and a hope. And I think that's a gift from God that we just have ignored and I've, and our church has been going through in the last three weeks, we've um, we've buried two brothers uh, who've been our part of our church for 23 years, uh, and... stewards of the faith, just wonderful, beautiful people. And so we're seeing a, a year of widows as well, all the way back to the beginning of this year through Clyde Morris, our, our good friend, and Mark Holt and Buddy Rye. And so we, we've been going through this idea of grief, grief, but man, at the same time, our church is just so joyful because these people loved Christ and as much as we'll weep with the widows, we know that these men finish the race well and and I, I want to learn from that too. I don't want to shortchange right, that right. I get so I get so moved in the in the in the eulogies and the funerals and it's not just because I miss them. It's because like I'll be here too someday, right. just like you said. And God is good to sustain me and hold me, not just bring me to life, not just baptize me, but but walk me through this thing as rough as it gets through all seasons. To where I'm nothing but a shell on this earth, but my soul is in congregation with those cloud of witnesses and the saints before me, uh, as we praise King Jesus for eternity. And so I think that is that is uh, not the only celebratory thing of that. It is I'm so glad. I would love a church that's filled with. I'm so glad I got to know this person. I'm so glad that they invested in me, and until it's my time to be where they are now, I will invest in others. I think that's a strong church. I don't care what numbers. Uh, you're running. I think that's a strong church yeah, that and, God and would be I, blessing. I think
1: that it it, well, it fires you up. I mean, it, it does. And, and I've had the pleasure of seeing, you know, and I would say that some some of them aren't, some of the ones that we've lost were not even as much in the season category as just, you know, have been there forever and, and have been, we're, we're, you know, just dear church members who who mm-hmm. meant a lot to a lot of people. Um,
0: Hard, surprising
1: losses. Right. And, and I would say one that one of the beauties about um the grief process in the midst of the church is hearing that impact when, when that person is known in such a way, it is such an encouragement to those families we've had. I mean, we've had widowers and and widows who have pursued even greater faithfulness in the local church um, because of uh, the, the way the church grieved with them and the loss of their loved ones. And I think that when you, I think that means more when the investment was there, Pre-death than it does if there wasn't an investment there, and I think that's one of the things I've seen is as as our church has rallied around these these people and have shared about the legacy and the relationship that they've had with these these dear gone to be with Jesus saints now um, before they passed away. It's been it's been a great right. and even a um, strong encouragement to those that they've left behind uh, to build unity in the church. I think that's that's a huge thing, I and mean, that's a, that's the family of God. Like that is. Yep. Uh, how you do it in some levels. And and of course there's there's been uh other examples that aren't are perfect about that, but I think that's that's a a good testament to a healthy multigenerational church. I couldn't agree more.
0: Thanks for coming on, brother. I really appreciate I'm you so sorry, everybody. Tired. we are available on all podcast p- platforms. Thank you so much for sharing. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel at We Bear Witness and uh you get to see Cody uh effortlessly Make his way through this uh, this episode, and so, brother, thank you so much for coming on. You guys have a wonderful day. God bless right. you. Clayman Media.